the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Planted with Sarah. I'm Sarah Pion, your host, and today we have Susie Placencia, the brand partner at Umo Cannabis on the show. I'm really excited to have her here today. We're going to talk a lot about wonderful weed and all sorts of other amazing things. So Susie, welcome. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. So I'm going to ask you the question that I love to ask all my guests. What was your first cannabis experience? What, what, what was your first cannabis experience? And then secondly, what drew you to work in cannabis? Well, my first uh, cannabis experience was um, I was late teens. I know that a lot of folks experiment in their teens. I was late in the game. Part of that is because of the the stigma that, you know, exists in the Latino community surrounding cannabis, where it might as well be the worst thing in the world, right? There's really, it's cannabis and all the other terrible, awful, harmful drugs. And then cannabis is just always limp, lumped in there. So that really affected, you know, my upbringing to where I was afraid of it. I was, I was like, no, God, I'm, I'm. I'm a straight, narrow person in terms of I'm going to college, I'm doing, you know, making my parents proud. So I thought cannabis was something that was not on that path, on the same path of doing well in your career, making your parents proud. Like, I really didn't see that as as something that can be on that path. So I stayed away from it from that for that purpose. I was very, always very studious and into my studies and um just didn't didn't attract me you know until you know I was um kind of starting the college days and uh, it was at an at just a party and then someone had like a, you know those little tiny pipes and I was like you know what I'm just gonna give it a shot because you know I want to explore it and see what's up and I just really I found relief because I, I tend to be uh, always on the go. I'm always, you know, working on something or, um, and I think it allowed me to this, this opportunity to stop and relax and be calm. And I didn't know what, that it was going to be this way. You know, I thought I was going to be this high that like, you know, I'm, I'm so ah burnt out. Like, no, it was calming. It was relaxing. And I think that's when I first started to unpack that a lot of lies <laughs> were told uh, to the Latino community. We're, we're brought up with a lot of these uh, misconceptions about the plant. So I think trying it was the beginning of, of that um, unpacking of what this plant, it, what, it, what it means to me. So that was my first experience smoking cannabis. And I, for the longest time, I was okay with just a small pipe, just packing a bowl every once in a while. That did the job for a really long time until now I am the quote unquote Susie Greens that people know on Instagram that takes bong rips um, <laughs> on, on the Instagram community. Um, but yeah, that's that was how I first started smoking cannabis. And then I started working in cannabis. Um, actually, a short, shortly a few years after that experience um, at, a, at a trap shop. It was a dispensary. Uh, that was unlicensed at the time, and I was a bud tender. I was uh, one of the, one of those um, kind of people behind the counters, helping patients get the medicine that they need, and helping uh, patients choose the medicine that they needed at that time. So that's really where I got to learn a lot of the experience 
of uh, treating cannabis like medicine for a lot of people and respecting the plant, um, referring to, to, to customers as patients. Um, that's feedback that I still get to this day when I'm when I'm uh, training on Umo or speaking to people about Umo. Uh, the shops are like, you, you call them patients. Like, are you from those days? And I'm like, yes, yes, I am. And they appreciate that. I think... Um, you know, we're all patients in our own way when we take cannabis. So I think that, um, you know, that's something that I, I still hold dear to my heart, the fact that it is medicine for a lot of folks. So um, as a bud tender was how I got started. Um, unfortunately, I didn't really feel supported as a as a career, you know, so I I took it as a part time job because I was going to college, right? I was going to school and I didn't feel that it was a career path at the time. Now, it's so great to see bud tenders be supported and empowered in their career goals, where you see bud tenders grow to become buyers, uh, GMs, what have you. So it's really inspiring to see that whole career path uh, be more professional from when I was in it, because it was more uh, like a side gig. Um, but, you know, I made my way back into cannabis after... Uh, finishing up my my schooling, I was um, I worked in tra traditional PR and marketing for a long time. I, I launched my own social media agency, Night Shift Digital, in 2015, and I began consulting. Um, we had clients at the agency that you know did dip into cannabis, but it was very medical. Mm -hmm. um, so it wasn't you know lifestyle oriented, aspirational, the kind that exists now. You know so. I began uh, consulting with a lot of different companies and eventually made my way to cannabis. That's awesome. And I really love, I love the fact that you started out behind the bar. I, I did too. I, I left a, a, a really nice middle management job to get behind the bar. And when people ask, like, how do I get a job like, you know, you've had or the knowledge that you do, I always say, get behind the bar and they're always like, oh, no, no, I couldn't do that. But I always find that, you know, professionals that really have a good grip on it and have a very strong foothold in our industry most often have that background. Like you, Otha Smith uh, from Tetragram is the same. That was one of the reasons that I really wanted to talk to him. I was like, you got back there. You did that. Like I, I don't. It's it's a very interesting thing, especially because the power dynamic shifts when you're behind a bar, and sometimes people discount what you know and they make assumptions about who you are. That part, yeah. And that's when I'm like, go ahead, underestimate me. That'll be fun. Let's oh, absolutely. <laughs> especially you know, as a woman, as a you know, as a younger woman, when I was a bud tender. Folks, patients would come in and be like, well, can I talk to your boss about like weed? And I'd be like, no, I can, I can help you with, with something. And nope, we want to talk to a man, right? An older man, um, because we don't, we don't have the trust in you. So um, I'm grateful to know so many amazing women in cannabis that can break down the plant and can break down the business of the plant. And yeah. That's, really that's awesome. And when you were talking about just kind of the stigma in your culture around cannabis. The one thing that I've, I've noted, and I, and I want to hear your thoughts on this. A lot of my friends that come from Latino families, there's a lot of stigma around cannabis. But then I hear these stories about grandmas 
with jars full of weed and alcohol that they keep under the bed to rub on their joints. And I'm like, it, it, see, it's it's like a really, it, it's there. It's there. Yep, it is. And that's something that, you know, my, my father, he's a medical professional. And um, I grew up a, around medicine a lot. You know, like pre- prescription medicine, because my dad, you know, always had, you know, his, his stuff around. However, when we would get sick, it was always natural medicines. <laughs> my dad is, my dad is, if you've ever heard the the term, uh, a botanica. Yeah. Bo- like that. It's like um, kind of these Latino um, natural good stores and, but like natural medicines. My dad had one of those. So, you know, so to, to be a, a medical professional, but also still know that natural medicines is the, the way to go. That's kind of what, um, how I grew up. So um, my dad, you know, I think that when I started getting more serious about cannabis, he was like, oh, yeah, we've been using cannabis all the time. And I'm like, where did that come from when I was, you know, first starting to get into it? And he was kind of like, mm. you know, I think that. He never really got on me too negatively, and I think that's why. I think my angle was always professional and serving and legal the way I entered cannabis. So I think he kept an eye on it, kind of like, what's going on there? But now that it's so uh, normalized in my life, uh, you know, with the press that I that has been able to come out positioning, you know, cannabis as professional, um, he's like, yeah, 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 oh yeah, all the time, inflammation, joints, and I've always said that the key towards a destigmatization in the Latino community is twofold: one, pain management, and two, I I think that it, it's gonna be like re- sleep, yeah, you know, uh, wanting to manage sleep. So those two things are going to be the two most powerful ways that we can change the, this uh, perception of the plant because once you are able to get relief or some kind of support from it, then your tune changes. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> because my, my tia was like, oh, no, 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 no. But then she had sleep problems, took a couple gummies, and loves it. <laughs> and then she graduated to tinctures. And then um, full-on edibles. And then last time I went to visit, she was like, oh, I'm down to smoke. I'm... So there's a progression there. But I think the key is always going to be, you know, pain management, sleep management. And the, and then the last one is is uh, career opportunities. Yeah. Because that they will change your tune when you see that you're able to build wealth and, and have a career. Then they're like, oh interesting i'm I'm intrigued <laughs> that's it i when i was um when i was teaching at city college san francisco and we were talking to faculty about starting a program there like an actual program one of the things i mentioned to them i'm like for the first time in history supply mm-hmm. chain management will seem sexy to young people isn't that cool <laughs> it's true it's like real, real jobs, real jobs with real professional development. And I love, love, love seeing that. And way to go for your Tia. That's awesome. That is so awesome. But, you know, it, it's a journey. It's not going to be day or night with a lot of um, those in the community. But I think that perceptions are changing. And I think part of 
what UMO represents is this change that the Latino community is is currently undergoing. You know, you, you see what's going on just in the world when it comes to the Latino community as a whole. Bad Bunny is one of the top artists globally. Yep. You know, um, and he's, if you saw the Grammys, I didn't see the Grammys, but I saw some highlights. And um, when he was speaking Spanish, the subtitles said, speaking in non-English and that became a big topic in the news the next day because they were like call it Spanish he's speaking Spanish right right that little um like news that hit about that it actually prompted the Grammys to make a change with their subtitles so that they actually says Spanish they should like the Latinos in America are we're really I think for the first time ever, we're getting um, a, more eyes on us. We're getting um, more support. I think that a lot of um, industries are starting to wake up, that there's a lot of buying power within the Latino community. And it's not about targeting. It's about representing. And it's about reaching them. So with UMO, we're not targeting, right? We're representing people who have not been traditionally re represented in this industry. And also because... A lot of us Latinos are coming out of the quote unquote weed closet. We're now wanting to be proud of it. We're wanting to wear what we spoke yeah. and we're trying to be very, very like we want to go out there. So I think part of Umo's rise is that we have given the industry and the community a brand that they can truly get behind, that they can be proud to wear because this is Latinos and cannabis. This is, this is, Rasa owned and grown cannabis. And this is something that I think the industry hasn't seen in, the, in this way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was mentioning to you before we started recording that I had been to Possible Farms last spring in Salinas mm -hmm. and getting to meet the leadership and getting to see everybody working out in the greenhouses was really powerful and cool. And to see people, you know, out there with their little iPads, like looking at what's going on with the plants and like buzzing around and you're seeing that, you know, they're learning and they're engaged yes. and it's, and, and these are people getting real benefits and real professional development. And what an amazing thing. I mean, that's just proof of the wonderful things that the cannabis industry can do, but also on top of that representation, like it's huge. Latino yeah. owned I mean, and I, I definitely got emotional my first time going to the farm because to see so many brown faces, yeah, so many brown bodies, uh, engaging with the plant, but they're also experts. Yeah, the the team over at Possible, they're agriculture experts, and what they're doing is state of the art. What they're doing is among the greats who grow cannabis and and there are people um so i i think when i look back on on when i first met possible um you know i i own a, a glass brand called mota glass that um has a, a pretty large fan base and uh people really know me because of the my my glass brand previous to umo and um initially i had been approached by two other processors to create a brand um, a cannabis brand because they saw the success of, of Mota Glass and saw an opportunity to do something Latino focused with a brand. So it was already on my radar that something would happen. 
I had a couple meetings and the other two, uh, the other two farms just, uh, or processors, they, they weren't right. I think it wasn't the right fit. Um, that's important. I'm a very people oriented vibe person. I can kind of know from the first couple interactions, if it's going to work out. I, my friend who who is big on astrology, she's like, yeah, it's cause you're a Scorpio. You, you can just, I think I'm going to go with that because I, I feel that I can feel people out pretty well. Maybe it's my PR background as well, but they didn't really vibe very well. But when I met Jesus, when I met the team, the leadership at Possible, something felt right. Yeah. And um, I explored it. And then seeing those, um, seeing just the professionalism, seeing oh. that it's really just cutting edge. Yes. I was like, check, check, check. On top of that, Jesus respects me as a woman, as a, as a woman in cannabis. Um I always talk about, and when I speak to to women specifically, we talk. There's always this conversation about cre- uh, getting a seat at the table, right? How how as a woman, as a woman of color, do we get a seat at the table? Um, I think with with how it went down with possible, I created a table. I created the table with Mota Glass, with my advocacy for Latinos in cannabis, my advocacy towards Latinas specifically in cannabis. That was a table that I built. And possible in the team, they asked for a seat at my table. And it, it is something that I, I I go out with with a lot of women in cannabis and, and because you have to stop trying to claw your way in and instead focus on what you do, focus on your mission, and opportunities will come to you and they'll be the right ones. I think that's what happened with Possible here. I built my table. I built my my support system, and and my advocacy through th- for for Latinos and cannabis. I put in work for several years, and I think Possible saw that and and thought that's the one. <laughs> and we got the call, and I think it was just forces that were meant to come together. Yeah, for a purpose, and Umo is that purpose, oh. and it's a very purpose driven brand. It's it's beautiful. I I can't tell you how impressed I was with it. And you know, you you picked a great team. You picked an amazing team. Like when we were doing the walkthrough, I was geeking out on all these questions. I was like, "Oh, so the way you're irrigating and you're looking are, what are you doing with the runoff?" And he was talking about how, you know, they look at it to see what nutrients are being used and they adjust it according to the cultivar. And I was like, "This yeah. is this is brilliant." And you have all these amazing people who are making this happen together. I, I just I really really love that. It's it's so important to have a good team behind you and just and I have to say my husband was a huge fan of the horchata when he tried that that was his jam <laughs> isn't it I just I love the light kind of spice that it has on the exhale I know that's very specific but um I can dig it like a, you know I, I I primarily smoke with bongs because of my because I'm a bong girl but I, I truly believe that that's the best way to taste flour mm-hmm. there is nothing better than a clean crisp bong with freshly packed flour you can really and then if you don't use a lighter you use a wick next level yeah you get the full taste no gas nothing no combustion it's just it's just straight flour smoke and you can sit back and taste everything and that's when I I smoked the horchata and I was like that spice 
Um, I, I love that. I think uh, Possible's, um, their approach to growing really allows for that full spectrum terpene expression. Mm-hmm. And their flower is just, our flower <laughs> is just something that I I just am impressed by the quality constantly because they're con- they're not they're not done. They're always working to cut, to implement new strategies to make their flower better. So that's what I love the most. They're not just putting the hat like, oh, that's the process. We're done. We're gonna do this for years. They're always looking for ways to optimize, like that irrigation system you were talking about. Mm-hmm. I have new information about that. Ooh, I want to um, hear. They have. They just installed an amazing um, dial system that is able to do the the whole nutrient feeding thing, but it does it automatically and it's able to forecast. So it's just really impressive stuff. Um, But that's an example on how when you visited, it was one way and now it's just even optimized even more. And that that is for the purpose of of making sure that the plants are all fed what they need at whatever stage they need. So this is what makes them, you know, be able to be more strong and, and fruitful the way that we need them to be. But Oh, I'm constantly amazed. Anytime I'm going up there on Tuesday, actually, we're um, going to be able to watch Jesus do yet another tour. But I love watching him do tours because Jesus has got it down. Oh, He's he got does. it down, left and right, this and that. And then he drops the new the new things that have happened. And I'm constantly taking notes and, 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 and also mirroring because I want to make sure that I can speak on, on what's going on as well. Yeah, he I, I can't wait to to see what's going on there. There was a, there was a lot of construction when we were there and a lot of talk about how they're, they're setting up to be pretty much self-sustainable, which I applaud. That is just so darn cool. The future. Yeah, for sure. And going back to the seat at the table conversation, because I find that fascinating. I know for myself going through the industry or even any industry for that matter, I feel like sometimes as a woman and especially as a woman of color, I used to joke that maybe I just needed to get a t-shirt with my resume on it and just wear it all the time, you know? But one thing that I would always say to women in the industry that I've, I've mentored when they get frustrated about the pushback or not being seen, I always tell them, you know, don't get angry. Look at it as an opportunity. Like, what are you going to shift mm-hmm. into where, you know, take your power and use this as an opportunity that means that maybe this place isn't the place for you where do you want to go and direct your skills and your talents because you have that because I have to say that if I hadn't had pushback and some gatekeeping in my career I wouldn't do I wouldn't have been had the momentum to do some of the things that I've done because change doesn't happen when we're comfortable it does not. And change doesn't happen when you're, when, when I think that when I've been able to bring most change is when, I, when there's a little element of fear. Yeah. And if you're not a little scared, <laughs> then that, that is the same thing as that comfort you were talking about. Like you got to have a, a little bit of that fear to motivate because if you're not a little afraid, maybe you're not doing something big enough. So some, something like that, and I can only speak of my personal experience that that any any big moves that I've made always has an element of like I'm scared, but I'm gonna do it anyway. I think that courage uh, helps. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And also, if people don't get it and they think you're a little crazy, you're probably onto something. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. People thought we were crazy when we launched Mota Glass. People were like, nobody's going to care about where their glass comes from. They just want cheap glass. Glass, glass is a mass. It, it's imported in mass quantities. It costs so little. There's a there's a muddying of information of what's locally blown, what's American made, and what's imported, because um, smoke shops will just say everything's Amer- American made because they can charge more, even if it's not. So yeah. then the consumer doesn't know what they got. We were told we were crazy by doing an um, American made glass company that. You guys are just going to sell bongs? Why? Fast forward a couple years later, we're on the LA Times. And yesterday, uh, officially, yesterday, Mota Glass was a part of Anne Imhoff's um, exhibit. She's an amazing German artist. She, um, They call her the voice of a new generation. She uh, has a um, an exhibit she just launched at the Spruth Magers here on Wilshire in LA. Um, and one of her installations is using Mota glass bongs. Oh, congratulations. That's awesome. I invite you guys to all watch it, but Mota glass is museum quality glass now. (laughs) And this all comes down to people saying, you guys are crazy. Why are you going to do a a a brand that supports Latino glass blowers? Why? Who cares? We were like, Latino community cares. I care, and there are other people like me who are going to care. And now Mota Glass is available uh, globally. We're in smoke shops all over the world, including Japan. And uh, we're continuing to get into uh, um, dispensary lounges where you can find our glass for rent and for purchase at Rise Mundelein and all over Chicago. Green Thumb Industries loves their Mota Glass and uh, continuing to expand. That's so awesome. It, to me, it sounds like this is a total labor of love for you. I think, yes. All my businesses have, it's all work that I, it's, it, I love to do, but I also feel that I, I have to do it. It's a, it, I have a community that I serve. Mota Glass, the glass blowers need us. Without us, they're going to continue getting exploited they're going to continue to have to stress about where they get their work, how they um, how they can continue to blow glass and be respected and valued, we, we know, for their time and effort. So we have to do this for the glass blowers. We also do this for the Umo and the Mota glass fans who have grown to really love the way that we speak about glass and educate. You know, with Umo, we have a community that we're serving that wants quality flower at a price point that's accessible and that's consistent that is what umo represents in the market right now there we are really high quality flower and i know that it's my brand and everything but it is when you go out there on the shelf people continue to they stop and they're like this is the price point for this and they're, they can't believe it. They buy the Umo. And a lot of the times I've witnessed it because I'm a fly on the wall sometimes. I'm like a secret shopper. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> I've smart. seen people purchase it and come back and purchase more because they're kind of worried. They're like, it's too good to be true. I don't know. And then they come back and buy more. So we have built trust with our patients, our customers, our community Throughout, you know, we're about over a year now, which is our our anniversary month. So I've seen that there are a lot of um, our community 
that have grown to rely on their umo every week every month and they save up their coins for their cannabis and they go and they buy their umo because they can trust that it's going to be quality and they can trust on the price point yeah. so that is a purpose that umo serves outside of the representation and all the great great things that we're doing for the latino community it's great flower at a great price point that's consistent and i think that with those two things that's what keeps me going uh latinas and cannabis is um an organization that i founded a few years ago when i started seeing that so many latinas were killing it in this industry and nobody knew about them yeah <laughs> so it started as an instagram channel i was reposting the Latinas who were doing it in cannabis, they were educators or they just dropped a new product or they were uh, creating. A, there's this one Latina uh, uh, artist who she does um, these little wands where you can hold it, your clip, your joint clip. She makes them by hand and she's trying to promote her work. Well, who's going to help her? Who's going to give her funding? Who are, she's not going to have you know, the funds to do influencer marketing. How is she going to support? So the Instagram was meant to give free promotion for Latina owned businesses. And it became this machine. And now it's a community of thousands of Latinas from across the world that rely on the channel to connect with each other. We now have a whole ecosystem that allows uh, other Latinas to use the channel to promote their work. And we officially started doing events in real life person events. Um, because so many Latinas want to connect with each other. Yeah. They want to smoke. They want to build businesses. They want to sponsor. So we started our first event series in January where where I have a panel of Latinas that, that um, can speak on their experience. And then a bunch of Latinas listening. It was magic on January. So we did another event in um, late January. And now we're getting things uh, in order for February for, you know, to make sure we can do something and then March. And now it's an entire business because I have to serve Latinas. Latinas need this. So with all three things, it's very purpose-driven, but ultimately it's it's something that the community needs. And I think that if you're if you're out there listening and you're looking for your dream job, your dream job is really in the middle of your skills, your talents, and your passion. That's where it is because I'm really grateful that I'm I'm living my my dream career right now. But it's all because I I love it. I live for this. Well, I mean, you're you're an example of community building and excellence, which is just great. I mean, it's it's amazing that you're able to do all of this work and make it happen and and help cultivate community in the midst of it because we. We really do. We need the support of our our contemporaries, with people from you know, people we relate to with representation, supporting one another, especially women and especially women of color, because we tend to be forgotten. We tend to not get as much funding, and there is this huge pool of amazing talent that's you know, people haven't realized like all the amazing things that they can do, and I think you only get that with the support of other people doing the same things that you're doing, coming from the same places that you are and being like, hey, I love what I do. You're amazing. You can do it too. Let's talk about it. I love that. Oh, yeah. I think that so many Latinas 
we deal with barriers that others may not. I think that uh, one of the barriers that some, some of these barriers aren't seen, right? Mm-hmm. I think that Latinas, we have some barriers, emotional barriers that hold us back from making the most out of our lives and careers. Um, we have a lot of familial barriers um, that that manifest through lack of self-confidence. And so I've noticed that with Latinas and cannabis, it's become a support system where we hype each other up and support each other up. And I've seen women take leaps in their businesses because they've built self-confidence through this community. And so I think with Latinas and cannabis, I am excited to see where it goes. I think we're going to create some amazing CEOs and amazing businesses because they're supported. It's really something special there. That's really cool. Going back to Umo, one of the things that I found really interesting was you're not necessarily offering the same cultivars that other companies are, which I think is is really cool because we see a lot of the same stuff like that's trending. And I want to talk about like how many cultivars are you are you carrying? What are some of them? What are some of the ones that you like? When I when I went to Possible, I was like, this is so refreshing because my jaded ass has seen a lot. <laughs> and so it takes a lot for me to get excited. I'm, I love weed, but it takes me a lot to get excited about the flowers themselves because as you and I know from like the 215 days when we were weighing out flowers, seeing all sorts of interesting cultivars, yes. you know, <laughs> and a lot of those have gone away. And so we see these you know, these trends of different genetics and everything that are really popular, but we're forgetting about, I think, I think there are some people that are very imaginative and creative with it, but we don't see as much of it. And that was something that I noted with your brand. Oh yeah. Our, our flowers really, they're so deliciously tasting, but also uh, we like to give them, um, well, I name all the strains, but I give them names that offer a peek into the strain crosses and the taste and the experience as well. Uh, For example, we have a a strain called Limonada. This is a pink lemonade number two crossed with huckleberry soda. That's awesome. And when you open up this jar, it is lemon candy. It is so deliciously sweet and lemony. Um, But it's named Limonada because it's named after traditional Mexican lemonade, which is really tart and sweet and has chia seeds oftentimes at the bottom. When I first smoked this strain, it took me back to getting agua fresca over here at the Santee markets in LA. And I thought this right here is Limonada right there. So I named it Limonada for that reason, because of the taste profile, but also the top terpene is limonene. And so when I'm educating on the brand, instead of just reading a description to these bud tenders, I can instead tell a story. I can say, hey, have you tried limonada? Have you tried like traditional Mexican limonada? Yes, I have. You know that taste? Smell that right there. You can see why I named it limonada. And then I'm already talking about the terpenes. I'm already talking about the what you're going to experience. And what you're going to experience when you smoke that limonada is really just uplifting enjoyment, like just that kind of euphoric effect. I love to smoke this one uh, on Sunday mornings when I'm taking it, my little boy taco. Uh, I have my dog taco when I take him out. Or just me and my boyfriend going out for a walk. Um, 
Um, I also love to work with it. It's a good work strain because it's just so light and uplifting. Um, but that's kind of uh, the strategy with uh, with regard to the strain names. Uh, we have a lot of new cultivars hitting the, the market. We like to see what the people want. I'm very open uh, with the community. I'm always asking questions. I'm always asking for recommendations because as much as this is, you know, my brand, it's it's a people's brand. It's by la raza. It's community driven and, and community oriented. So I'm always trying to get to see what flavors people want to see and in, in, from Umo. And so really excited to uh, bring something special to the Umo fans with the launch of a new line. I was just going to ask you about that. So excited. <laughs> Um, so this new line, it's called Reserva de la Familia. Basically, it's inspired by old Jose Cuervo. So Jose Cuervo, you know the tequila, right? Right, yep. So the tequila Jose Cuervo is one of the oldest uh, family-owned tequila companies in the world. Back in the day, they used to have a, um, a reserve tequila ba- batch that wasn't for everybody else. It was for the family only. It was a reserve batch that was for them to drink, and they weren't giving it out. In 1995, they decided to package it in small quantities to give their fans something small. I just love that because on our side with Umo, we have a really awesome R&D process with um, with Possible. But the thing is, is with that R&D process, sometimes we come with cultivars that are so beautiful and delicious but maybe aren't able to grow or yield in the way that we need them for Umo. So then they, they don't make it. Right. That's We're so heartbreaking. Like, That's great flower. That's great. We just can't grow it in scale because it's just not that type of flower. So we thought that's a reserva. Just like that's the same situation that they were going through. So that's kind of the idea behind Reserva de la Familia. This is something that's a small batch, limited quantities. It's something that we smoke on our R&D process and sometimes don't share to the world. Well, now we are. Umo's Reserva de la Familia really showcases um, expertly grown flour, of course, possible. But what's special about it is that we are highlighting our breeders. We want folks to really know who we work with because we respect breeders um to the point where we understand that without their work we wouldn't be able to enjoy the strains that we do today and i think that comes from the fact that at possible they're growers themselves so i think that that respect um comes from that but um this line we're launching it with two strains one of them is called neverita and and it's and neverita in Spanish means little icebox, and it's named it's named little icebox because when when we sent I'm gonna send you a special gift of that. Thank you. Um, the trichomes here. When I saw them for the first time, it was like blindingly frosty, and I'm like, that's an icebox right there, and so that's the name from it. It really helps get across that this one is triked out as the kids say it's very very frosty so that's where the name comes from and the other strain that we're premiering premiering with it is the crema naranja this is a tuscan dream cross with gelato um very very citrusy um this is um i so i felt that it was really high on the ostamine um which is very stress relieving um which i love um, but it's also a really light sativa so it won't get you anxious 
but it will affect you. Um, it's a really just these two strains. I'm excited because this is next level limited edition, but it's still that expertly grown flower that you can expect from Umo. Mm -hmm. We are rolling it out today. So um, I think that you guys, when this airs, you guys will be able to already see it in the market and see it out there. Um, but Umo Reserva de la Familia is something we're especially proud about. Um, it comes in a really nice, sleek suede, um, suede matte black with gold on it. And it's just really gorgeous flower and packaging. This is for the connoisseurs. This is for the people who love great flower, want to learn a little bit more about behind the scenes. Uh, but it's still a great price point, so it's still accessible. Um, but it is limited quantity. So if you see it, make sure to grab it. That's awesome. So it's kind of like Umo head stash. Basically, basically, yeah. So Never Neverita um, will hit the market very soon. We work with Purple City Genetics out in uh, Oakland. And then for uh, for the Crema Naranja, we worked with Conception Nurseries uh, up from NorCal as well. So it's just these two um, breeder communities that are just, they've done amazing work. And we're so grateful to be able to work with breeders of that caliber and the professionalism on both sides. And it's just, it's truly just a, a project that highlights possible and the relationships with these breeders. I love it. I love it. I want to... I. I, I want to eventually talk about some more things that you're excited about, but I also, and not to be a downer, but I also want to talk about some of the challenges because as we know, right now in California, especially, we're having a really challenging time with our industry. And what are, what are your thoughts on that? And what are some of the things that, that you've had to, to deal with that? And, and what have you done? Yeah. I know it's a huge yeah. question. It's tough. It's it's tough out here in the cannabis industry. The prices of flour have dropped. You know, a lot of businesses are closing their doors and um, closing up shop. It's really sad to see. Um, as a brand, some of our challenges right now is weathering this storm. Um, I think that we we are, we are grateful that we have a really solid infrastructure, and it's because of that that we're really holding on. But also because Umo has entered the market with such trust from the community because people really know me from Mota Glass. They mm -hmm. know quality from me. They know price point from me. So when I launched Umo, they were like, we know her. <laughs> we have trust. So that really helped with launching the brand. Also, the, the community support that we've been giving, it allows for the community to have something to support that's beyond flower. So thankfully, because of our support system, who asks for us at dispensaries, they will go into a dispensary and ask for Umo. And if they don't have it, like they'll like be like, well, what's going on? Those are our fans. Those are our supporters. That's the key right now in cannabis. It's the gone are the days of having great flour in a nice packaging. And that's all you had to do now to make it in cannabis. You have to go deeper. You have to know who you're serving and make them feel seen and make sure that you're doing the things so they, they can support you and they can advocate for you on your behalf. And that's what we've created with Umo. So that's how we've, we've addressed these challenges in cannabis is if people are having a hard time growing brands, how do we um, access um, some of those uh, emotional you know, areas, right? People are very emotionally invested in Umo. 
when they walk into a dispensary and they see a strain name called fresas con crema. Fresas con crema is a dessert that many of us grew up eating as as kids or or sometimes we even eat it now. It's it's not it's it's something that's common. So we've seen I've seen it too when people see fresas con crema on the shelves they're like my heart like <laughs> like this is my culture. This is my culture and I can smoke it as well. That we have a strain called mazapan which is named after a really popular Mexican candy. Um I'm sure you've seen it. It's this I have, um, yeah round puck that just falls apart as soon as you pick it up. Love it. It's peanut butter and with peanut peanut uh, crunch, right? And this particular strain is a peanut breath cross. Oh, so that's so smart. The it's the peanuts. It's the, you in the, on the exhale, you get some of the, the um, earthiness as well. So all our strain names have some nostalgia, therefore have an emotional connection with the community. And so with Umo, we've built a brand that just is so much more than just cannabis. And I feel like that's how we've been able to um, really approach all the issues that this industry is having. The industry is having issues, right? Umo is beyond the industry. <laughs> I that's I really, really applaud you on that. And, then, and I think that's one of the things that a lot of people don't understand that you know, they, they just look at cannabis or like cannabis, weed, whatever, but it's very personal and it's very emotional for those who are, who have it as in their lifestyle, especially when yeah. there's something that you really enjoy and you want to count on being able to go back and get it every time you go, because you, you know how it feels for you. And there's a certain feeling that you get when you open up the container and you smell it and you smell what's familiar and what's comforting. And I just, yes. I love that. I, I love that we can give that feeling to people because uh, anybody who, who works at a cannabis company or runs a cannabis company, like what is the feeling you're trying to give to the people who invest in your products? Yeah. Ultimately, with Umo, I want to give you what, what you paid for and more. <laughs> well, that's it. And then there's a, a very, it, it seems like newer people, especially that come to the industry, and that's not to say all, because there are some very passionate people who have, I heard taco. <laughs> that's my little taco. I think we got a delivery at the door and he's going nuts. Oh, what a cutie. But, you know, people just say weed is weed, it sells itself. But that's not true. There's so much more to it, and especially when there are so many more options available now. And and as you and I both know, it's like it's a it's a very interesting departure from back in the day when you had jars of stuff and somebody be like, "Where is it from?" And you're like, "If I had to tell you, I, if I if I had to tell you, I'd have to kill you." No, I'm just kidding. But you know, <laughs> it was so like very quiet about who's cultivating it we knew we talked to these people they're very talented cultivators and then we get into regulated cannabis and boom all of a sudden they're brands and you're like oh i get to talk about you now that's awesome let's do this yeah they can definitely talk about it and we we count on that you know when before no don't now it's like we want you to do that and I love that so many Umo supporters have taken to YouTube and Instagram to do reviews on our products. And and I think that's been a huge um, help to the brand as well, because like I mentioned, some people go into dispensary and they 
are afraid to buy something that's a new. They will buy what they are used to buying because they bought it for the past couple of months and whatever. And they see a new brand and they're like, I don't know. So because of our supporters, seeing all this content on YouTube has pushed people to be like, oh, okay, I'm going to try it now. And then they try it and then there's that lifelong Umo, Umo person. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And for people who are getting into the industry, what advice would you have for them for success? Um, have some thick skin um, because the people in this industry, some are very professional, some are not. So don't expect that it's going to be this polished industry like every other industry. You may work with people who are very professional one day, and then you may work with a cannabis OG who doesn't doesn't respond to emails, doesn't care about your time sometimes, just wants to do things their way. And you have to navigate both worlds, the professional people being on the calls at the right time, but also that shop owner who has been in cannabis for 30 years, who doesn't care about things, and you, you got to figure out how, how they work too. Because yeah. they're shopping and you got to get the, the brand in their shop, you know? So I think be nimble, be open-minded and know that you have to make your table. Build your table at all costs. Don't ever put all your eggs in one company. Like, oh, I'm going to be with this brand forever. And then something happens and then you're left with nothing. You got to build your own personal brand always so that if something happens, you pick it up and take it to the next thing, right? And so that's because it, cannabis is scary in that way. Um, you got to build your own table and, and make sure that people come to you for, for opportunities that fit you, not the other way around. Yeah, those are wise words. I, I totally agree with you on that. And then what are some things that you're hopeful for and excited about in the future? I'm hopeful for this industry to to really be, be really get to the point where um it'll make it possible for more businesses to truly thrive i think that right now in the current conditions um doing well is really difficult to thrive is nearly impossible so i'm looking forward for the industry to really um get to a place where the better is better than it is now. You know what I mean? Um, I do. So I'm looking forward to that. I just touched base with some of my partners earlier today and everybody's optimistic. Even as early as this summer, they're optimistic that that um, that things are going to be looking up. Um, we're continuing to hold on, you know, and um, one of the things that I'm excited for is Umo's continued growth. I think that we're really taking over California, hundreds of shops throughout the state. And I'm really focused on growing, um, growing smart, right? Because we want to make sure that we are attentive to all our retail partners and give them everything that they need. Um, looking forward to growing the team at, over here at UMO. We um, onboarded uh, two new team members at the end of the year. Um, so really looking forward to creating more jobs. Uh, that's one of my, I feel like, Part of my purpose in this industry is to create dream jobs for our people, whether it's Latinos or Latinas. Um, I really want to create job opportunities and, and long lasting careers for us. Um, I think part of my mission is always going to be um, 
flipping the, the narrative, right? The, this this plant harmed us, put us in jail, took away career opportunities, right? Because of, um, you know, expungement situations, you know, that's the only way you can return to work if you have a prior marijuana conviction. So it's taken jobs away from us, right? Yeah. So my mission is to flip it and give jobs, give full-time careers. And so grateful Umo has been able to do that to two people already. Um, three people. I forgot Jesse over here. Jesse was first, our first NorCal sales rep. And then Lorenzo joined the team end of the year, SoCal sales rep. And then Johnny, who is a really good friend of mine, turned now Umo employee. Three full-time dream career jobs. That's what this brand is doing. And so I'm really uh, grateful that folks love to support Umo because they see where it's going. They see that their their support is going towards creating jobs, creating opportunities, and also more advocacy work for UMO. Um, we support the Social Impact Center of Los Angeles here, uh, which is a queer and Chicana-led organization focused on um, expungement clinics and just really educating the community and a lot of different advocacy efforts. So uh, continuing to support work with them and just do more, go deeper. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's amazing. I, For people who want to follow Umo, learn more about Mota Glass, or start getting involved in your network, where should they go? Yes. So for Umo, uh, you can find out more about us on uh, getumo.com, G-E-T-H-U-M-O.com. Um, we are going to be launching merch very soon within the next week or two. So folks will be able to wear their Umo out. Um, all our, our full line, everything that I'm always wearing, people are going to be able to buy it too. So be sure to keep an eye on there as well as our Instagram at get.umo. That's G-E-T period H-U-M-O. That's our Instagram channel where we share all our latest moves, latest drops. But then we also have another channel called Umo Familia. It's H-U-M-O and then Familia. That's our events channel. If you ever want to taste Umo, get a, get a sample or something like that. We have bong bars every week sometimes. You can come have a fresh Umo on some uh, American-made mota glass and... Um, Taste the sample, and then you can usually go and purchase it either um, at a you know location nearby, or sometimes we're partnered with the delivery. You can buy it right then and there. So be sure to check up on Umo Familia for our next bong bar or our next PAD, a patient appreciation days. We do those at dispensaries every week. Um, so that's where folks can really uh, keep an eye on Umo and see our moves. For Mota Glass, uh, we're on available online at M O T A dash glass you can use code motafam to get yourself a brand new bong a 15 percent off on with that code uh supporting local glass blowers in la um you can also find us on instagram at mota underscore glass that's mota glass um and just look to see our latest drop we just dropped a really awesome color a color series uh bong that's really so bright and pink. I know all the all the pink lovers are going to be all over it. We just dropped that one, so keep an eye on the new drops from Mota Glass. Um, and then lastly, Latinas in Cannabis. If you are a Latina in Cannabis or you're a supporter of Latinas in Cannabis, be sure to check out our community at Latinas underscore Cannabis. That's us right there. Um, tap in this whole community. Um, there are three different businesses, but they all work together together. 
And I think that's why they they're able to, to to all coexist because you know Mota Glass is that's where you smoke the humo, right? And then Latina <laughs> right. cannabis, that's who's doing it. So it's all together. <laughs> I love what you're doing. And I and I really want to thank you for being on the show today. I I feel like having colleagues like you is just very inspiring and reminds me what we're here for. So thank you, Susie. I really, really appreciate it. And for all of you out there, check out the glass, check out the flowers, get involved in the network. These are all really amazing, important projects. And I'm really looking forward to our conversations in the future. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. This is a really thoughtful interview. Uh, thank you for your time. And I'm excited uh, to, to follow up with you. Awesome. Until next time. Yes. And everyone remember, Planted is twice a month. And if you like listening, please give us a review. Share it with a friend. Let us know what your favorite episodes are. And if you'd like to stay in touch over social media, we are Planted with Sarah Pion on Facebook and Planted with Sarah on Instagram and Twitter. You can also go to our website, www.plantedwithsarah.com, or listen to us on our parent network, Radio Misfits Network, where there are other great podcasts like one of my favorites, the Winemakers Podcast. So check it out. You can listen to Planted wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, whether that's Pandora, Spotify, Amazon, Google, Apple, Stitcher, tune in. We are there. So join us. And until next time, stay curious, stay safe. And remember, it's a wild world out there. Be good to one another. Until next time, take care. <laughs>